Welcome to another NFL episode here on the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Austin, more football talk and more importantly, playoff time is here for the NFL. Welcome to the pod. Oh, thank you very much. Most exciting time of the year. Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you on because we have a kind of a lot to talk about. NFL postseasons here. In typical NFL fashion, we end on this crazy Chargers Raiders almost tie. You have the Colts, you know, blowing it against the Jaguars. If you had told me that both the Colts and the Chargers would miss the playoffs by the end of the day and the Steelers and the Raiders would both make it, I wouldn't believe you. Real quick, before we move on with the postseason, what did you think of that Chargers-Raiders game? That was um, – usually we talk about game of the year contenders, like at this point in the season, you know, just games who like people would want to and years later go back and watch – there's no such thing as a game of the year contender this year. That was the game of the year, hands down. That was that was a ton of fun for everybody, whether you were a Chargers or Raiders fan or Steelers fan or not. Just, uh, you know, like monitoring all that media attention about what if this game ends in a tie? What if this game ends in a tie? Which, A, is so rare in the NFL, but B, no one ever seems to care about a tie, especially regular season tie. So people would actually talk about a tie as if it mattered and then tease the tie halfway into an overtime period. It just, it had all the excitement that you look for in the NFL playoffs in the regular season. Because the way that that game shaped out, whoever won that game between the Raiders and the Chargers made it to the playoffs unless they tied. Then, uh, so it had that like same energy as a playoff game. And I love those like week 17, week 18 playoff games where, it's the playoffs before the playoffs. It certainly felt like it deserved all the media attention. It was a fun time. Well, not to get onto a basketball ring here, it's one of the reasons why I think the NBA wanted to play in a game because what the NFL just pulled off where you have this crazy thing where the Colts lose, right? So now you have this open wild spot where someone of Pittsburgh, LA, or LA is going to make it to the postseason. And now the question is, How does it play out? Because the funny thing is that these two teams could draw and the Steelers get screwed over after just pulling off this crazy win with Miami falling short, Baltimore falling short. There is a sense of hype to just having like literally a win in your end. Like you think about it, it's this Chargers team that has this awesome QB, but they're so damn inconsistent. And then this Raiders team that wins 10 games, despite the fact that John Gruden kind of almost derailed their whole season and they somehow pull it off. Like it was the best way to end the season. And that can transition us to a pretty awesome postseason. We have this awesome wildcard weekend where we get two extra wildcard games. Number one, only two teams have the buys and that's the Titans in the AFC and the Packers in the NFC. I will yep. say the NFL has made some questionable decisions before, but the one I love by far is having this only two teams have a buy. Everyone else is playing the wildcard games. Yeah, this has created what they're calling a super wild card weekend because we have playoff games on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, which we've never been able to say before because we have six games we're trying to fit in. It's, um, I mean, it's a great weekend for football fans. It really, you can kind of let, you know, the playoffs take over your weekend and just have a great time because these matchups in particular are very interesting, each for their own specific reasons. But there's not a matchup I can look here and think that there's no narrative or no story to follow or no reason to watch it. Well, and there's the other thing, too, where it seems like we always say this every year, like, oh, the Super Bowl's wide open. Oh, anybody can win it. But for real this time, there is a case for like at least 10 of these 12 teams that they can win the Super Bowl, because if you look at it, 
there's either a combination of injuries. There's the COVID protocol thing where at any moment you could just lose a guy like two days before your game. There's the fact that there's a lot of just randomness with this playoff thing. Like the fact that, you know, the Bucks have been inconsistent all year. They're somehow still a two seed, but they still have to play a wild card game. Like different, you played those scenarios in your head. It's a really wide open year for the NFL to see who can win. Yeah, COVID specifically. Uh, we saw it last year with the NFL. Uh, to their credit, being very strict with COVID and trying to maintain the sense of player safety in a high contact sport. But we saw the effects of something like COVID where things change on a daily basis, like greatly affecting things. And maybe it's just coming from a bitter Saints fan, but I highly doubt the Bucs win it all last year, unless getting the help that they did to that path through COVID. And you never know when that's going to happen. It can strike at any time. And of course, injuries are always going to be an issue in football. So that could also play an effect. It's Things really do seem wide open for those parts. It's, you know, for those of us like myself, walk around saying, you know, really any given Sunday, any NFL team can beat any other NFL team. It really does ring true. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Well, and there's also the big, big elephant in the room, which is that you have this duo combination of teams that start off slow are catching fire and teams that caught fire early are slowing down. So you have this group like the Rams and the Cowboys and Cardinals that were super good all season, have looked pretty inconsistent the past month. And then you have teams like the Titans, the 49ers, who they started off kind of at 500 or just above 500 and yet still look really, really good. And then, of course, you have the sweeping Giants with both Kansas City and Green Bay. It's a very interesting playoff picture, and I think that can transition us into looking at first off the wild card matchups and then really deep diving it into – all of the playoff teams currently in play for this title. We're going to go through the games kind of based on the schedule that is formatted for this wild, wild card weekend. So two games, as you said, on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then we have the one game on Monday. A pretty cool first game here to start off the postseason with this Raiders team that comes off this incredible win taking on the Bengals. Uh, I think you said earlier before the pod that you actually have the line for this game. Do you know what that line is? Uh, sure. The line for this game specifically, this is one of the closest ones. I currently have it at Bengals minus five over under 48. Now, the interesting about, you know, most of these wild card games is with the exception of 49ers Cowboys, every single playoff matchup that we're about to have in the wild card has happened in this regular season at least once. Which is insane, which is by the way insane. In the case of Cardinals Rams, and then also in the case of Patriots Bills, happened twice because of divisional rivals. So unlike in previous years, we actually, we have tangible evidence of these specific teams in these years going head to head and, you know, analyzing that result. Now, I think part of the reason that the spread here is, in my opinion, honestly, like a little wide favors the Bengals a bit is because of the regular season matchup. Now, I believe they won by almost 20 points first time around. The Bengals beat the Raiders. But watching that game, it was it was a much closer game than the score would lead you to believe. Their total yardage was similar. Um, we the like amount of turnovers. I think the Raiders had one more turnover than the Bengals. Like it was a relatively close game. And this was also one of the first games of the interim Raiders head coach, you know, after John Gruden had his exit. So uh, Rick Passaccia, I believe that's how you pronounce it, was still, you know, getting his feet wet, feeling the difference of becoming an NFL head coach, like thrown into an environment which 
going into the season, preseason, you're not prepared to take on those responsibilities. So I see this being a very close game. It's tough to call. This specific one is tough to call. This is probably the wild card matchup to watch, in my opinion. Well, there's also the case that I've seen a lot where it's like, there's two sides of this coin. The Raiders come off this epic Chargers win. Some people are seeing it as momentum for a playoff push. Because we saw, for instance, which I, I this is the example I always go to, the Tampa Bay Bucks struggle all year last season. They win five in a row, and then they just close in the playoffs because you just build momentum. Football is always based both in a game and in a bigger context on building momentum, gaining momentum. If you look at this Raiders team, there is a theory out there that, hey, they just put off this incredible upset. They're somehow the five seed after all of this. They're in the postseason, queer strong. Could this be the beginning of something? Or there's the flip side, which is, is this their Super Bowl already? Like, in other words, they made the postseason. You know, it was a shock that they even got there. It took a miracle on multiple fronts. They do it despite losing John Gruden in their fourth or fifth game. Which way do you see it as? Do you see it as more of a beginning of a run or more as the magic has already happened? We're just happy to be in the postseason in the first place. Well, as far as the Raiders go, I think, you know, even going into this season, like they weren't, they were touted as a team that's probably going to fall short of the wild card. Like, you know, make that push, but be a middling team like they have been for years. And especially after the, John Gruden controversy, the Henry Ruggs controversy. Like, oh, yeah, you know, and real quick, the Henry Ruggs thing just totally swept under the rug. I forgot about yeah, that entirely. This this team's been through a lot of their fair share dealing with the media and dealing with, you know, like that public perception. And those things weigh on the locker room. It just does. You can't escape it. So I feel like this team, despite like pushing through all of that, it's been a lot. But this is probably just – too much of an ask for them is to make a postseason push in the wake of all of this with an interim head coach with a roster that's had to be shaken up and especially going against the Bengals squad that I mean you want to talk about momentum Bengals got two huge wins against divisional rival Baltimore and Kansas City both games that they were not expected to win they won and won convincingly like Joey B that man is a winner he just it's just he is and I have faith in him despite this being a postseason debut that the Bengals are going to put it together because they're getting hot. I don't know if they're going to make a deep playoff push, but I mean, if I was making a bet on this game, I'm definitely, I don't know if I'm asking them to cover, but I'm definitely taking a Bengals money line here. Well, the other thing too, that's really important is that number one, they're riding on the wave of hottest team out there right now. Like I feel like everyone the past month has been like, if there's a team to watch out for, it's the Bengals. Number two, you look at the QB matchup, Joe Burrow over Derek Carr any day of the week. Like, there's not even a question. So for this to be a Raiders win, you would have to ask for both a good Derek Carr game and or a bad Joe Burrow game. The likelihood of that is just so small. And then you look at the the playoff picture broadly. If you're the Bengals, you have a real shot to make the AFC title game here because your side of the bracket includes the Patriots-Bills game. You're avoiding the Chiefs because the Steelers, we think, I don't think we're going to be so high on. You're avoiding the Chiefs until, at the very least, the title game. You have a really good opportunity here to make a run because the way the playoff bracket's shown out right now, I think the Bengals can compete with these teams. Like There is a case that they are one of the better teams, if not the second-best team in the AFC. 
Well, yeah, the thing that I like about the Bengals, uh, in addition to, you know, my undying love for Joe Burrow, you have Jamar Chase who's really caught fire as this potential rookie of the year candidate. And the fact that that wide receiver room is so depth and finally, you know, giving the Bengals like weapons that they've never had before. Because even in years past where they used to, you know, just squeak into the wild card to be an exit under the years of Andy Dalton. I mean, outside of AJ Green, who they really have. TJ Hushmanzada, like that's not that's not going to push you to like be a true like two wide receiver ones here like you have with the emergence of T Higgins and Jamar Chase. And the thing that I also like is uh, assuming Bill say Bills and Chiefs both win their game because they're playing at home and you know more often than not if you know enough about football you take those teams because they're home games and they're higher seats. They get the Titans, who Derrick Henry I believe hasn't played since Week Eight. So even if he comes back and comes back to a hundred percent, like, you know, there's no guarantee Derrick Henry is going to catch fire and have that same momentum that we talked about earlier. Like this is probably the weakest Titans team that you could possibly face despite them reaching the one seed, which I think is a phenomenal accomplishment. However, you get one of those teams, whether it be the Patriots who will realistically have a chance of winning or the Steelers in an absolute shock upset. And then next thing you know, they're facing say, Kansas City or Buffalo. And, you know, now it's now it's a real conversation with them. So uh, personally, I do like Cincinnati in this game. But this is, again, like I said, the game to watch for me. Yeah, it's definitely a game to watch for me as well. I'm glad they put it at the top of the lineup. I also think the Bengals probably going to win this game. I do feel it'll be close. It'll be one of those like until at least the fourth quarter, we won't know the winner until really things are at the end. But this can transition us into the other Saturday night game. This Patriots-Bills game is very fascinating because you have the early on game where it's in Buffalo. It's like negative like a gajillion degrees. Mac Jones throws the ball three times and the Bills lose. But then you have the other game where the Bills just destroy the Patriots. The Bills are starting to catch a little fire. The Patriots start off slow, win like five or six in a row. Then they've fallen back down to earth. What do you make of this matchup in particular? This one's fun because like you said, like there's there's a little bit of everything. And this to me illustrates the idea of divisional rivals knowing each other so well. Like it always tends to happen in the NFL. Um, like I would never bet on a divisional game to be a blowout one way or the other. And this is a huge reason why. The first game, like you talked about, this one's so first game's in Buffalo. Patriots eke out a win in defensive shootout where Mac Jones throws three times. Next game in Foxborough. Uh, I have score here as 33 to 21 Buffalo complete opposite. Like Buffalo just suddenly puts up points against a Patriots defense that for years has always been vaunted. As I, I wrote at, it was arguably Josh Allen's best game this year. Cause he sucked in Absolutely. that. He Absolutely. sucked in the other game. Yeah. He was good. This one, especially against a divisional rival who definitely has him scouted in game plans for multiple times a year against Patriots defense that year in year out under Bill Belichick, you know, it was never counted out or never assume, assumed as bottom of the league. So this game's going to be back in Buffalo where that's where that defensive matchup happened. But, um, I mean, it's really interesting to see, like, that this game really could go anyway because they're divisional rivals and they know each other so well. See, that's the, that's the problem because the I was originally thinking Bills all the way because I'm like, there's no way Mac Jones is just going to come into Buffalo and eke out this win, right? But then – He did it my, already. My heart already tells me, number one, he did. 
even if it was with the scheme that involved him being out of the game almost entirely. And this is the game, especially division games, where I feel like coaching really matters. Like, if there's any point where you can play the Bill Belichick card that he can win you a game, it's going to be this game. It's absolutely right here. It absolutely is. And that makes me pause because I would easily say Buffalo is just a team that struggled with inconsistency. They got, I, I didn't believe they had their signature win. They finally got it against the Patriots. You know, maybe this is all they needed, just a couple weeks to really get their stuff together. They actually have a concept on both offense and defense. New England, that, that Dolphins loss really is concerning because you had a Dolphins team that had nothing to play for, and they get absolutely kicked to hell by this team that's – Tua wasn't even that good that game, and they still got nuked. Show, is there any – Arrivals, then you can't. It's some of the toughest games in the NFL to predict because they game plan for each other so well, they know each other so well. Anything can happen in a divisional game. And I also, I also think there is the factor of this could just be a feel good story Patriots thing where it's like similar to the Raiders in a sense, they're just happy to be there. Remember, we, we forget a year ago that they were what six and ten or seven whatever they were and they not even close to making the playoffs this could be a situation like because buffalo you can make a case could be the best team in the in the afc like if you actually there is a case it's not a good case but there is an argument to be made that on the right day buffalo has the upside i think all of it kind of depends on josh allen more importantly sure uh buffalo like when i'm thinking about them like as a team, the word talent comes to mind. And it like same thing with Kansas City where people talk about it's time to start talking about Buffalo in that same way, where across the board at various position groups, they've got some real heavy hitters, some guys who are pure talents. And I think that's really going to be the difference here. Again, in a divisional game where because I mean we talk about Bill Belichick being one of the greatest coaches of all time. He can win you a game. But let's not pretend that McDermott doesn't know exactly what he's doing, hasn't game planned well for the Patriots, proved that he can convincingly beat them on the road, and now they're back at home. I mean, the tough thing here is, again, with New England, after taking that loss to Buffalo, though, what they do, they went out and they put up a couple 50 bombs with a rookie quarterback when they're known as being a defensive team. The problem that I see for New England is they've never, in one game, been able to put together that same potent offense that somehow manages to put up 50 points as well as a defense who can hold team to 10 or under so if i'm picking a team here uh i'm definitely running with the bills here especially considering that it's going to be in buffalo and i mean maybe it's because we're syracuse students but we know how rabid this bills fan base can be in my opinion objectively i believe that buffalo has the best fan base in the nfl and they are hungry they can smell that you know their time is coming up they're ready for it. Those stands will be packed. We're going to see the 12th man in full effect here. Well, I think it's that. And I think it's also, you just said it best. The Bills have a game plan. Their game plan is simple. Stop the run game. Mac Jones, you're going to beat us by throwing for 300 yards. If Mac yeah. Jones gets to 300 yards, they will win the game. If they, if he doesn't get there, the Patriots will lose the game. It's just as that. Cause they're going to force him to make plays. They're not, they're going to shut down the run game. They're going to double team their top guys. And that's the game plan. So I'm going to go with Bills as well. And the thing- really going in their favor. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but I know I was looking at some injury reports earlier. Uh, some big ones for the Patriots, David Andrews, you know, their center, like who's really like almost quarterback of that offense, like while Mac Jones gets his feet under him. And Damian Harris, who has been, you know, a true workhorse back for them for the seasons when he's been around. The Bills aren't facing very many injuries or COVID scares going into this game. They are almost completely healthy versus a Patriots team that 
I remember had a pretty long list going ahead of them. And when we're talking about the Patriots, we are talking about that run game. So if they manage to not have either David Andrews or Damien Harris, especially both of them, I mean, that's great news for Buffalo because if they're going to really get burned in this game, that's how they're getting burned. We can move on to Sunday. Before we do this kind of in the actual scheduled order, I think we can get rid of Pittsburgh at Kansas City pretty easily. There's a Pittsburgh team that is a lucky-to-be-there team based on the predictions. I mean, this is an easy pick, right? I can't, I mean, I, I've got the spread here at Chiefs minus 12 and a half. And <laughs> the, the there is a conversation here to be had of whether they cover or not. But in my good faith, I can't, I can't pretend to have a serious conversation about the world in which the Steelers win. I, I am a firm believer in any given Sunday. But if the Steelers win this, that's my explanation, is any given Sunday. I mean, this is a team that's been filled with drama, you know, captained by a quarterback who realistically probably should have retired two or three years ago. Yep. You know, got issues in your wide receiver room. It's, it's a pass rush, like, full of, you know, big names, elite talent. But when you look at the season-long stats – pass rush has not produced and that's going to be a big thing with Mahomes I mean we're talking about playoffs here you want to look at last year's Super Bowl how did the Bucs win that game they had Patrick Mahomes running for his life all game it was the pass rush that got to the Chiefs and that's how the Bucs won that game so you know this is a Steelers team who consistently has shown that they can't really produce on an elite level on that front against a Kansas City team that's proven if you need to beat them that's how you beat them so, I mean, I just, I, yeah, I can't pretend. I, I could try to for the sake of entertainment of the podcast, but. Yeah, this, this is, with all due respect, is the easiest is. game yeah. to predict. It, it's a blowout entirely, and there's no way. So, I think we're both going to have I you pay for blowout, cheap. considering uh, how the game script goes with Andy Reid. You know, he may, there may be times where, like, with him, he will rely on the run game more, try and just, you know, get in and get out almost. And like with Big Ben's final ride, you know, Tom Wynn's probably going to be more eager to let him air it out. And when you're airing it out, yeah, some of those passes can get completed. But <laughs> the I, result I, of this game in my mind is not a question. Yeah, the over-under also is probably two and a half for Roethlisberger interceptions. Probably going to be a little over. Might be, might be yeah. three. <laughs> so this leads us to the NFC. I think the NFC games are way better than the AFC games because – there's a lot on the line here. Number one, you have this Eagles-Buccaneers matchup to start off with, which I know sounds like a little underwhelming at first, but this Bucks team is kind of like a sneaky not-two seed. Like, they're lo- they've lost a couple of their big pieces. Godwin's, of course, the big one. We saw this with the Patriots a couple of years ago where if Tom Brady is losing weapons, he's just like 80% of himself instead of 100 and this Eagles team, they have the Bucks kryptonite, which is that they can run the ball and move the ball downfield, and they can they can make plays when they need to. I know the Bucks are going to probably come in as pretty big favorites here. You can argue they're the best team besides the Packers, but what are you supposed to make of this matchup where the Eagles, they have this soft schedule where they play a bunch of nobodies, and it's the only reason they're in the playoffs in the first place, but they do have some potential and some upside here. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a fair warning. I'm going to sound like a salty Bucks hater for a bit. But I think a sneaky not two seed is probably the best way to describe them. I mean, it was the best way to describe them last year being a five seed. But this team does routinely drop games that realistically they shouldn't. New Orleans shut them out. 
they lost to Nick Foles this season and the Bear. Like just the Jets under- game. Can't forget the Jets game. <laughs> of course, the Jets game. Like truly underwhelming losses. However, with all that being said, it's it's Tom Brady and it's Bruce Arians and it's playoff football. I'm definitely not betting against them. What I will say is with the spread Bucks minus eight, there's a very good chance Eagles cover, especially if they get the RPO going. That's been the Eagles bread and butter is this run pass option with, you know, Jalen Hurts really using his legs. And the fact that the Bucks defense is not probably not going to be at 100%. There's uh, issues with Levante David, who if you're talking about somebody who can shut down the RPO, best thing in football to have is a high IQ linebacker out on that field at all times. As far as the Bucs go, that's Levante David. He's a brilliant football mind on that field. But if he's not there, it's going to be tough for some of these younger guys like Devin White to help diagnose. Like true, like great athletic freaks. But when you talk about football IQ, not on the same level as a vet like David. So if they can get something going, I feel like they could definitely put some points up on the board. Uh, I'm expecting a fun game, but of course I am still expecting a Bucks win. Well, there's two things going against the Eagles. Number one, there's the easy thing, which is that Tom Brady versus Jalen Hurts. Who do I trust more? The answer is going to be Tom Brady any day of the week. Well, yeah. And then the other one is that you look at that Eagles team and look at their wins. It's what the Giants, the Giants, the Red, the Washington football team. I think they beat Seattle, and that was after the, their season kind of got derailed. They faced yes, the Bears. that was post uh, Russell Wilson injury when they knew they had nothing to play for anymore. Yeah. Like it's a bunch of these teams. I think literally they've beaten every team, every team they beat has a QB that either is like not starting anymore, or it's just was horrible that week or just shouldn't even be in the league period. Like they had an easy slate of games to play. And then on the flip side, this Bucks team is still pretty good. I feel like we're doing the thing where we hate them so much that we just forget. Yeah. If we hate them, it probably means they're good. I'll, I'll admit it. I probably, I probably view the Bucks in more negative light than most because I hate them, and I'm willing to admit that. Yeah. But and if yeah, you hate them, the problems are good. <laughs> Eagles definitely have some flaws. They have the worst record coming into the playoffs, even considering that a lot of those wins were not impressive by any means. You know, they've got a head coach making his playoff debut. Who Never you know, a good thing. You read a lot of these coach biographies or listen to a lot of these coaches talk about interviews, and the one um, – They'll all agree that the playoffs is a whole different beast. There's a lot of media attention. There's a lot more expectation. A lot of that can get to a lot of these younger coaches. And in a league where we're starting to see almost a youth movement with a lot of these coaches, where the average age of a coach has been steadily declining, and a lot of these first, second-year coaches are making the playoffs, I feel like we're going to start to see them slip and falter because it's the natural order of things. It's to be expected, especially with coaching greats still in the playoffs here. Like a lot of these pillars of coaching, your Andy Reeds, your Bruce Arians, you know, your guys like that. Even, Mike, even is Mike McCarthy a pillar? Is he like a crack pillar? <laughs> ah, I, you know what? If, if he never went back to the Cowboys, I'd say yes. Then absolutely. Based on what he did with green Bay. But as a, as a coach himself and his clock management specifically has not impressed me that much. But there's definitely some other, I mean, of course, Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin, guys who, you know, are not favored in their games. But, you know, let's not pretend that they are not well-experienced coaches, well-adjusted to the playoffs, who've been there time and time again and know exactly what it takes to win it all. So I feel like we might see some of that strain on Philly. 
especially considering this is another team that played each other this season. Uh, Bucks won, I believe, by just one score. However, the game itself looked like it should have been a lot more than one score. Bucks like dominated in almost every facet of the game except the scoreboard itself. You know, there was a fourth down conversion that they went for, didn't get. That definitely helped the end result for the Eagles. But, I mean, they get that fourth down conversion. That scoreboard looks more like how the game actually went. Like, you know, they won the turnover battle. They won the time of possession. Obviously, Tom Brady won that quarterback duel. Like, this is a team who, we use the word talent again, is just more talented as of right now. And I can't... I was going to say, the reason why I think the Eagles should be a clear underdog and the Bucs should probably win this game, it's kind of like Raiders syndrome, but, like, way better for the Eagles. This is a team that had no expectations, and they made the postseason. They're just happy to be there. They have a young – they're kind of moving away from the Doug Peterson, Nick Foles era into this new era where it's Jalen Hurts, and it's these draft picks they have for this offseason, which offseason-wise, that'll be very interesting to see what they do with that. They're they're, – I hope Jalen Hurts' season really takes effect, but that's going to be one of those things that's a relatively slow burn. If you told me going into this year that Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay would click well, Joe Judge wouldn't completely shit the bed, and that the Eagles would finish fourth in the NFC East, which is the weakest division in football and still is, as evidenced by some of those NFC East games, I'd believe it. 100% I'd believe it. I could have seen Philly being the worst team in the worst division in football. Yeah, so you look at that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, Old champions. So now we move on to the two. I, I, these are my personal two favorite picks in terms of favorite games to watch, and here's why. The first one's this 49ers-Cowboys thing because I've always been low on Dallas for like the last three months because of the – they're in the NFC East, a little bit of an inflated win total. There's the thing where Dak Prescott, he's hot right now, but there's always the on-off switch with him, and that team is just very inconsistent. And then you have this Niners team where they just kick the crap out of the Rams, and they're just this team where I feel like it's the – everybody wants them to be the cool underdog to make it all the way and just challenge Green Bay and be that second-best team in the NFC. This is a pretty frisky game here. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I like this game. Now, first looking at the 49ers – Uh, I'm an avid fantasy football player. So uh, one philosophy I've always had is stay away from 49ers running backs because they've always had a committee going ever since under Shanahan. It's just that they've always been a run first team with multiple options. And they're always injured. (laughs) That like badass wide receiver one who like, you know, can put up a ton of points per game. However, if you look at recent weeks, the fact that they've incorporated Debo as like this running back wide receiver combo has worked brilliantly well. He has a pro bowl nod and he deserves it. He also has, he also just made all pro first team today. Um, he's been brilliant. He'll truly be next back in this game, but also Elijah Mitchell is kind of like embracing it. This RB one role, like almost a true workhorse when he's out there and when he's healthy, which he will be for this game. And so the thing that I really like about the 49ers is be, they're becoming less predictable of a team. They're not playing this like, college-esque offense that they've been known for in recent years meanwhile the Cowboys has I mean the narrative is the same here it's been for the past couple years this is a team that on paper brilliant you expect to like really you know do well Super Bowl favorites there's no shot that it wouldn't Super Bowl and then you watch them play a game 
It's a very different story. They've struggled with inconsistency. And even some of their highlights, I haven't been the biggest fan of, like this hype as of Trayvon Diggs as, you know, like one of the best corners in the league, purely based on his interception total. However, when I sit down and watch a Cowboys game, I am not blown away by his coverage abilities. As yeah, I am. It's very Westbrook guidance. <laughs> Ramsey or Marshawn Lattimore. It's not the same. Like, you know, you can put up stats without being a true game breaker. And I don't think he is. So, I mean, listening to other podcasts and, you know, sports casts and reading articles, talking about this game, the high, like the X factors that we're talking about for Dallas, to me, aren't really X factors. Yeah, well, the other thing, too, is that the reason I love the 49ers in this game personally, this is another team that's getting favored by the bracket of the playoffs because if they win this game, they face the winner of the – the uh, pardon me, the Cardinals-Rams game, who they've beat in both teams and at least been competitive. So you're looking at this like if you're a 49ers fan, you can make the title game on the basis that you're just facing your division, which is kind of cool. And the other thing, too, with this Cowboys team is that there is a looming history – as much as people hate playing that card, there is a looming history with this team where it's just like they can never get it done. It's always <laughs> overhyped ever since, especially the Romo years that I just remember clear as day where they just have these teams that, again, look great talent-wise and look great in terms of, you know, on paper with the stats and with the metrics or whatever. But when it comes to a close game or a situation where it's the fourth quarter, they're up three, can they run the ball and get a first down? It's hard to put stock in Dallas doing that, whereas this 49ers team, they're kind of kind of the Bucks this year, where they're just on the rise, they're building momentum. You, they just beat this Rams team where for the first two quarters, everything went wrong for them, and they still came back to win this game. It's a very close – this is one of those games where I think I would stay away just from a picking perspective, but in terms of watchability, holy hell, this is awesome. To me, these two teams are the closest in terms of – talent expectations and if you're talking about from a picking perspective that does show like this is the closest spread between two anywhere you look you get cowboys minus three and you're not going to get a lower spread than that this is basically what in the betting world you call a pickle where you know it really is almost a 50 50 toss-up it also has the highest over under right now at right around 51 so this is a game of two teams predicated on their offensive ability where you know, one or two plays really can make the difference in this game. So it's, you know, you could try to have that conversation of, oh, who do you trust more, Dak or Jimmy? Oh, who do you trust more, Zeke or EY Mitchell? Who do you trust more? You know, the Cowboys trio versus Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Like, you can try to go back and forth like that, but this is a game that I see one or two plays early on determining. I don't think this is going to be a necessarily fourth quarter final drive game, but if you really watch and dissect this game, I can see a play in the first or second quarter setting the tone and being the difference maker down the stretch. If you had to put a gun to your head, what team are you picking just to win? I'm putting... <sighs> I kind of want to go with the 49ers here. I'm just typing them up so much. I kind of want to... <laughs> you know what? And as ever the contrarian, I'll take Dallas. Oh my I, would, I would even... Yeah, I would because of the pressure put specifically on Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator and former Cowboys quarterback, of course, where, you know, I, I have faith in him as, you know, he's been a perennial like head coaching candidate. There's always been whispers, but he's never breaking, like been able to break through. I feel like they're going to click. 
And my X factor for this game isn't going to be a guy like Dak Prescott or Trayvon Diggs like we're talking about. I'm going to say keep an eye out for Tony Pollard. I feel like that mixed in is going to be what helps keep the 49ers defense ever so slightly off balance, just enough to win a shootout. And then speaking of shootout, this leads us to two other offensively potent teams, and that's this Cardinals-Rams game. Now, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what to do with this game. Of course, they saved the best for last personally, because on the one hand, the Cardinals team has all the potential in the world, but their clutch situation and their coaching is iffy. And also there's Kyler Murray, like, can he really be the Rodgers, Brady, like, top guy in the league? Then there's this Rams team where you hype them up. They've been kind of, you know, up there in the mix for the past couple of days. And then they've been on and off. It's like, oh, they have a signature win this week and then they lose. And then the back and forth. And this 49ers game proved it where they start off 17-0. Sean McVay's this genius coach. Stafford's looking good. And then they start doing dumb stuff. They don't really have a good running game. You know, they're relying on Kame Akers with basically half an Achilles and a whole lot of blood kind of to get the ball rolling. And Stafford has never been in a playoff game like as big as this. So there is that element of like similar to the other game. It's kind of 50-50 here. Well, I'm glad that you don't know what to do with this game because I'm going to tell you exactly what we should do with this game. This is, you know, outside of the obvious ones, in my opinion, which are Bucks and Chiefs. This is one I feel most confident about. I'm definitely riding with LA. I'm riding with them to cover a minus four spread. Yes. On one side, you have Arizona, a team that's lost four of the past five. Like you were talking about earlier, these teams who have kind of lost steam. Arizona is the forefront of that. I know you mentioned three or four teams, but Arizona leads the pack when it comes to faltering down the stretch, despite relative health. Uh, They're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins for this game, which means as far as their passing attack goes, against a divisional rival, who knows them well and is probably going to be able to win the trench game considering they have perennial defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald and company up on that front seven, you know, they, they can very easily win at the line of scrimmage, forcing Kyle Murray to pass to uh, for this game, star wide receiver, Christian Kirk. And those words hurt coming out of my mouth. They really oh, yeah. do. Especially considering you have Cliff Kingsbury, who's also making the playoff debut versus Sean McVay you know, despite being the youngest coach in the NFL, having far more experience in big games. Well, and, and as a Dolphins, as a Dolphins fan, I remember Cliff Kingsbury hasn't been the best uh, clutch coach, shall we say, in the league, so. Uh, would be well familiar. We <laughs> yeah, have McVay, who's been much more clutch of a coach, you know, has those big game experiences, has been able to take something from it. And on the other side, you have LA, which, I remember on podcasts in the middle of the season, I was talking about needing more from LA, needing almost consistency. And I'm definitely starting to see that. I mean, while it's not, you know, while it's not the NFL game-breaking best team, greatest show on turf that some were hoping for, they're finding their groove. Before this 49ers loss, which I will say went to overtime and they lost by a field goal late in overtime. They were in that game back and forth. And trust me, as a Saints fan who needed the Rams to win that game to make the playoffs, I was on the edge of my seat for <laughs> 40 minutes of that game. <laughs> Before that, they proved that they could hang tough, beat the Ravens in a close game, which the Ravens, of course, you know, the way that they play is almost the antithesis of L.A., like their kryptonite. So the fact that they were able to win that game shows a lot. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Seahawks. They beat the Cardinals. 
they decimated the Jaguars, which they were supposed to do considering the Jags have been a rough team, but with some of these other teams that we're talking about, they don't win games by as much as they should. Well, or as real quick, I actually look at those as like a good thing. Like if, if you're a team and you're supposed to be an overwhelming favorite and you kick your crap out of your opponent, I feel like that's a good thing because I hate oh, when – of course. But yeah. the problem, a lot of these teams this year, I feel like a lot of our complaints has been, oh, yeah, you won that game, but not as convincing as like, you like, Or the Cardinals like losing to the Lions where it's like, what? Yes. Or you have the Titans beating the Texans by three points. Am, am I supposed to be like or, – or, or the OG one, which was uh, Bills-Jags. <laughs> yeah, like was, were we really supposed to be impressed by either of those games? I was impressed by, you know, that total win. And then their last loss before this overtime against a divisional rival was the Packers by one score while they were on the road. Like this was – this is a team that as of late has been able to find more of a groove, definitely has more momentum despite them losing this past game because the Cardinals also dropped a game to Seattle that they really shouldn't have. So, I mean, I'm definitely riding with LA. They have definitely the relative health. They have all of their, like, X-Factor guys. Those are a bunch of superstars. They're just a talented team. Oh, yeah. They're su- and the biggest superstar for Ar- – well, the two biggest superstars for Arizona outside of Kyla Murray are not playing in this game. DeAndre Hopkins won't be there. And I don't think J.J. Watt's going to be there. Well, and, and Cooper Cup also might be the MVP this year if you actually really look at the numbers. So <laughs> Yeah, like this, uh, you know, I know you said like it's this game's kind of tough for you to call. Uh, maybe you're seeing something I'm not because. Well, I'm the, right- real I'm- quick, the tough thing to call is that Arizona's like 9-1 on the road. And it's like, and Stafford just like has this off switch. That's my only concern. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I mean, this is a must-win situation, especially for Stafford, but of course for LA as a whole to try and really grasp a stranglehold of this division that's been all up and down, but is really supposed to be theirs. Like this is their statement game. So if they can win this game, this makes them top dogs in the NFC West heading into this next season and hopefully seasons after that. All right, let's draft Super Bowl contenders. So the exercise we've got proposed here is that we have all the teams listed out. So it's Everybody playing in the wild card game plus Titans and Packers. We're just going to go back and forth thinking with a simple answer who, or a question who do we think is most likely to win the Super Bowl? And it could be on whatever criteria you believe in and whatever philosophy you have going for you, just to see relatively who we think the best teams are and what the likelihood is they might pull this off. Because I think, again, it's a pretty open year for the Super Bowl. I think we yeah. can agree that. A lot can happen, let's just say. So because you're the guest, I'll let you have the first pick. Who do you want to start off with? All right. And since it's first pick, I'm not going to go with the most, like the single most obvious pick, but I am going to take Green Bay for the sole reason that it sounds weird considering they're a one seed, but they need this the most. They are becoming the Cowboys of this decade. Like yes. how we talked about years as phenomenal regular season team cannot get over that NFC championship hump. Like, always shut down. And then with the Aaron Rodgers situation of first him wanting out, like demanding a trade while he's off vacationing, then his issues with the Vax card. Now he's talking about boycotting the NFC championship game. If even gets to that point. Which is hilarious. (laughs) It really is. It's if it's not one thing, it's another with Aaron Rodgers. He is all, he is quickly becoming the face of drama in the NFL. Like the Packers as a whole, they really need this one. Like, because if they don't get it, 
it's very clear they're losing a rod that's and then outside of that front office crumbles like this is really do or die and everyone in green bay knows it well they're also like the milwaukee bucks from a couple of years ago where it's like they've just always been in these great games where they're just like a, a game away a point away and they always blow it they i feel like they've been like in the ti- the nsu title game for at least like the last four of like eight years and they just can never get the job done yeah, this is it's necessary for them to finally like break that hump. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, as talented as he is, he deserves a second ring, especially guys like Devontae Adams. Uh, the fact that he's not a champion at this point is criminal. Yeah, well, there's plenty of teams here that need like that need this. None more so than Green Bay. So that leaves me on the. By the way, Green Bay was my first pick by far and away. I want to see oh. them win this. So because they weren't normally going to be my number one pick. So this leaves me with a couple options because I feel like the next tier of teams is probably in no order, particularly Bucks, Chiefs, kind of teams in that range where they're definitely in the mix and we just need to see what they're proving. I think the safe pick is honestly Kansas City. It's just the Mahomes factor. It's that if I look at the rest of the AFC in particular, just a lot of red flags for especially the two through, I guess not the Chiefs, but you know what I mean, Titans and then like three through five. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a team that's been there before. They have the most experience. We, I think Mahomes just has been on the slight off switch where he just doesn't need to dominate because he's just that damn good. And this Chiefs team, and by the way, will we crumble while the NFC has become vastly more competitive? Yeah. And, and might I add that despite the fact they coasted the first two months of the season, they almost were still a first round bye. So I'm going Kansas City here. Easy pick for me. Yeah, that, that would normally be my first round pick if I didn't love the Aaron Rodgers Packer drama and the. <laughs> Uh, the narrative that it need they need to win it. My like true intelligent number one pick would probably be Kansas City, but I mean the storyline's too good with what's going on in Green Bay right now. Well, it, with, well, real quick, it's interesting because I feel like these were the two teams most likely we would pick. Now this is where things get fun because now it's oh like, yeah. I mean, I definitely think I have one more very clear pick, and oh, you're really making me say it as a Saints fan, but I'm taking Tampa Bay. It's yeah. you know it's. I mean, they've proven themselves. This roster won the Super Bowl last year, retained all of their starters, which is completely unheard of, and did the exact same thing this year in the regular season that they did last year. You know, won some games, lost some games they shouldn't, got embarrassed by New Orleans, of course. But, like, the, it's history really seems to be repeating itself. Playing a wild card game against an NFC East team that, people think, you know, shouldn't even be there in the first place, which last year that was the Washington football team. Now it's Philly. I mean, this this narrative for them is perfectly mirroring when they won the Super Bowl. So how could I not take them? History repeats itself. Lightning does strike twice. So this leaves me with my, my next pick. I'm going to stay in the AFC here. I'm between Titans, Bengals, Bills. I feel like it's kind of that three for me. I think I'm going to go Bills here. This could just be more of a pick of like, they did it last year. Why can't they do it this year? But I really think Buffalo has the most upside out of all these teams. I think Tennessee, it seems like not having a healthy Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill still being your QB, just there's a ceiling to that team making it to the Super Bowl. And then if you're the Bengals, it's just with that history of them just not really ever coming in clutch at the right moments. Did you see the funny Bo Jackson thing? Yeah. That ever since Bo Jackson got injured against the Raiders, they haven't been able to win a playoff game. And it's been, what, 30 years, I think, a little over 30 years. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- that sort of stuff kind of exists. So I'm just going to take the Bills on the upside that Josh Allen is arguably the second best QB behind Mahomes in the AFC. 
he just had a really good performance the past couple of weeks. Maybe this is a case where Buffalo catches fire. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. Right. And so for now, for my third pick, I was looking at some more NFC teams, but I just realized I could just draft the entirety of the NFC and you could pick the AFC and that wouldn't be any fun. So <laughs> you need to walk over to the AFC and take one of your guys now. Um, I mean, I got to look at one seed Tennessee, especially considering two yes. and three seed. Uh, the last time Derrick Henry played a, fo- a football game, it was the month of October. <laughs> and he was reported to be, you know, ready to play week 18. They sat him because they did really, you know, it wasn't a must win. They had their playoff berth locked up, you know, to make sure he's, and then now they're resting this wild card game. I mean, I think, you know, you all you have to do is crown King Henry for three games where he's done it time and time again. Also getting AJ Brown and Julio Jones you know, to be on a relative same page here where their passing offense has started to click because it needed to in the absence of Derrick Henry. But the fact that that's clicked and, you know, got, having a guy like Mike Brabel, former linebacker, great defensive mind, it seems like a relatively complete team. And they feel like a dark horse as the one seed, which feels weird. But we were saying that about Philly when they won their Super Bowl. I remember they were they were one seed and people were saying they were a dark horse. Like, oh, no shot the one seed wins it. It happens. One seeds win very often. Yeah. So I'm going to take Tennessee here and crown King Henry. Well, I'm glad you actually moved on to the AFC because my next pick would have been in the NFC. This has been my darling the entire NFL year, and I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams. Amen. At the, I knew this would be your pick. My, my yep. case for that is that in terms of just pure talent and upside, you can make a case of the best team in the entire NFC especially because Green Bay have struggles with their defense and the whole Rodgers just drama thing can just honestly screw it over. With this Bucks team, there is a fear that, you know, they're going to lose weapons and kind of just be offensively just very limited with what they've got. This Rams team, if everything clicks, and again, it's a big if, it's kind of like a in the case of where I'm picking right now, which is what, sixth? It's, it's very good value for where I'm getting them at the sixth pick. So I'm going to go with the Rams here. Of course. And – while this definitely does not make the most sense, I am hard pressed to find a world in which one of those six teams doesn't win the Super Bowl. So to me, this is the fun portion of this little draft game. Real, wait, well, real, real quick, you don't think you don't think the Bengals or Niners have a shot here, or, or is it more outside not, looking in? Not like realistically, and not to the point where I would ever put money on either one of them. But it's funny you mentioned one of those teams because you know what? My next pick, I want Joey B, Jamar Chase. I want my LSU boys <laughs> because I don't want you having them. I have always been, there's this weird love relationship between Saints and Bengals fans that apparently has been going on for a while because it seems that former Saints players always go to Cincy. So between that and their LSU connection, I've really been a fan of this Bengals team. I like Zach Taylor. I feel like he's going to be a guy who might be around for a while, which, you know, in NFL in years past, you'd be like, yeah, he's a head coach. Of course he's going to be around for a while. But in the wake of all these firings, one to two years into an NFL coaching career, you know, it's kind of rare for a guy to stick around more than four years as an NFL head coach in this current era. But I have faith in Zach to pull that off. You know, I really like this Bengals team. You know, they get this win against the Raiders and they have a favorable path to an AFC title game. So for me, all it takes is knocking off one of those big teams like the Chiefs, who they already did this year. They already won. They, you know, they made their statement there. It wasn't a fluke win by any stretch of the imagination or Buffalo, who we know can falter at times. 
it's not the craziest thing in the world to see Cincy in the Super Bowl. And then from there, my biggest philosophy in all of football, any given Sunday, and that includes Super Bowl Sunday, I want Cincy. I'm going to go with the frisky pick here. That's easily going to be the worst pick of my draft. I'm going to take instead of the Niners, the Cardinals. Mm, okay. here's my, so here's my case. If I'm really deciding about it, having Jimmy G as my go-to savior is giving me a lot of scare, number one. I think this Cardinals team is one of those teams where it's like everyone's just been crapping him and like saying like, hey, they're not going to get it done, that that might just be enough. And this could just be a case of an underdog story. If you're talking about just pure upside, that whole component of the bracket where they're going to be facing divisional opponents, in your own words, with these division matchups, anything can happen. There could be a universe in which they just – beat these division opponents yet again. And all they have to do is beat green Bay or Tampa to make it. So I think given that, given that I think Kyler Murray just overall might be the best QB available out of all these teams left. I think the Cardinals are a pretty decent pick here with the eighth pick. And if we see all upsets in the NFC, which it has happened in in the playoff history where, you know, all road teams have won their matchup they would get another divisional matchup in the 49ers. So, you know, it's there's a path there for sure. So I don't necessarily hate that pick. What I do hate is how this draft is shaping up because you're making me pick teams that, while smart, I don't want to pick for my own emotional reasons. But uh, <laughs> how about the Cowboys? I oh, mean, my God. Over I the – damn. First, as an objective fan of football, I don't want to pick them. However, considering the remaining teams out there, I, uh, I mean, you can't deny talent. And that's the same reason why, like, my totally safe consensus pick to win the Super Bowl would probably be Kansas City. And then that's also why I took uh, Tampa Bay as high as I did, because at the end of the day, you cannot deny talent. And they have talent at a lot of positions across the board. I don't see a positional group in Dallas that necessarily feels weak. While a lot of Dallas fans will complain about oh this and oh that, when you look at it league wide, I mean they're not they're not league worse than anything. If there's something this draft is proving me right now, it's that the NFC in terms of the full town is definitely much more deeper than the AFC here. Because I'm staying in the NFC for this pick, I'm gonna go with the 49ers here. I just think it's hard. I think they've fallen a little bit lower on the board than I thought they would be. This is just the case purely kind of like the Cardinals where. In these division matchups, anything can happen. If I'm looking at the AFC side of the bracket, I'm out on the Steelers entirely. I'm out on the Raiders entirely. And then it leaves me with this Patriots team where they're starting rookie Mac Jones and they have to play Buffalo and, and either Tennessee or Kansas City. That's just a very outside-looking-in type to make the Super Bowl. Whereas if you're this Niners team, they can go on a run here in this postseason and make some noise here. So I think I'm going to go with the Niners with this pick. Well, glad you picked the Niners because – Definitely had my eye on an AFC team that I thought for sure you were going to pick. Uh, well, I will say rest in peace to John Madden, uh, the greatest coach in the history of the NFL, objectively, Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. When it comes to a certain point in this kind of exercise, I'm not going to bet against greatness, just like how I said I'm not going to bet against talent. He may yes. not be off, but you know, with the way that he's able to manipulate teams and the fact that he has a divisional rival that he knows well, against a coach that doesn't have nearly as much experience as he does going into this first round. And he's got a rookie quarterback who has shown, you know, that fire, that spunk, but also like has put up stats, like considerable stats for a rookie going into a situation that nobody was expecting him to do anything. I mean, there were even questions right after he got drafted of if he was going to start. Like, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I was, I was super down on the guy. Yeah. Uh, now I will say 
I do believe if you go back to your episode about the NFL award picks, which I highly suggest people listening to if they haven't already, <laughs> my, my dark horse pick for a rookie of the year, I said watch out for Mac Jones when he starts week one and immediately lights it up and puts up a couple 50 bombs late in the season. May not, may not have said that last part, but uh, he definitely, I mean, he's earned it. He's, he's probably a contender, and considering he's a quarterback, you know, he's always he's obviously going to get that favor for offensive rookie of the year over a guy like Najee Harris or Jamar Chase who don't play quarterback. So, you know, I like what they put together. That defense is always talked about, especially with Matt Judon right now being like an edge threat god with the way he's been playing. Like, you know, a great secondary. You know, this is a team that doesn't have like big name star power as far as the media is concerned, but just plays great team ball. Everybody does their job. And I know New England fans are going to appreciate me saying that, but Belichick's going to go out there, tell his guys, do your job. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. I hate the way this draft is playing out because I'm definitely going to be screwed taking the Steelers last because I know you're not picking the Steelers last. So so (laughs) that leaves me, I guess, between Raiders, Steelers, Eagles. Yeah. This is a fun pick because you can make the case for either Raiders or Eagles to just be the fun team you want to go for. I'm going to be bold and take the Eagles because here's why. I think if I'm choosing between Cincinnati and Tampa Bay, just from a who's more likely, I don't know. I just have a good feeling about the Eagles just in a, there's a universe out there where it, it's possible. Whereas I think for Oak, uh, uh, Las Vegas, pardon me, Cincinnati is just a really good team. It's more that I'm so high up on Cincy that I don't see Cincy losing to the Raiders. Whereas I'm lower on Tampa. I could see the Eagles lo- beating Tampa. It's kind of one of those logic things. So I'm going to go with the Eagles and they're a fun team too. So obviously between the Raiders and the Steelers, <laughs> I feel like the story begins and ends with the first round matchup, like and what they have going into the playoffs and into wildcard weekend. Only one of these teams I see realistically walking out of wildcard weekend. So obviously I'm going with the Raiders here. Uh, I mean, Derek Carr has been sneaky good this year. Like, you know, not going to be an MVP candidate but doesn't get talked about nearly enough considering what he's done with what he's had considering, I mean, his top guy, Darren Waller was out for quite a many weeks well, and wasn't. And, and, and his coach and his, one of his wide receivers uh, exactly. all did that too. Yeah. So big deep threat wide receiver uh, landed himself in a little bit of hot water and as did his coach. So with a lot of changeover, the fact that he's been able to be kind of an anchor for an offense, this offense. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like the Raiders defensive line. I do. I mean, I think Max Crosby is an absolute stud. They've definitely got guys. uh, I believe Jonathan Hankins will be available for this game, although he is questionable. And should he be, that's going to help put pressure on a uh, admittedly young, admittedly inexperienced and admittedly not so talented Bengals offensive line, where if that's the difference in that game, if it's the war in the trenches, I like, Vegas if that's how that game turns out and then from there I mean obviously I have two choices I don't see them going further than that but eh, much better chance of a Cinderella run than with Pittsburgh so go ahead and I, I get and I get Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's gonna win the Super Bowl go ahead <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger is gonna turn back the clock they're gonna mm-hmm. get Antonio Brown before the headache <laughs> uh-huh. James and- Harrison will be back <laughs> I mean the only case I have for the Pittsburgh Steelers is that as you said earlier, maybe Ben Roethlisberger just bombs it downfield and he gets 400 yards and there's a miracle, but it could happen. I will say they have so many weapons on this team. It's kind of funny. 
I mean, I definitely have guys who like are my favorite like deep threats in the league. Like not your guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who everybody knows you can huck it deep and like because he's a superstar wide receiver. But guys who specifically like excel in deep bomb situations, guys like Mike Williams of the Chargers immediately come to mind as like if I need a guy who the only thing I'm doing to is throwing it 30 yards downfield, I might want him. Uh, I will say real, real quick, this a lot, so he doesn't really fit into this category anymore. But I remember Deontay Johnson, who yeah. you know was that true deep threat candidate. And since if Pittsburgh's going to have any shot of making any sort of run, they're going to be playing behind for quite a bit. <laughs> they're going to need that. Like, and <laughs> and then the dual threat ability of Najee Harris is great for them. Uh, their offensive line, not while not nearly what it's been like four or five years ago, like in their heyday when it was them and the Cowboys and the Eagles as like, oh, these are the only like truly good offensive lines in the league. Um, it's still, you know, it's it's still serviceable, definitely serviceable. And then with this defense, all I need is for some of these guys like, you know, TJ Watt, who's been hammering it with, with 22 and a half sacks. He personally, as a pass rusher, been great been everything we wanted and more in his you know the vast majority of his team's pass rush ability and stats come from him i need some of these other guys to get home a little more i will say an interesting thing with this exercise is what would happen if we had the chargers in this mix i feel like we would have the chargers at least relatively way higher definitely be quite i mean not at Chiefs, Packers, Bucks, Bills level high. But that next year, yeah. They might be my fifth pick. I know, right? Like, that's it's crazy how they ended up working out. Well, this is a cool exercise. Real quick, we have to end on this note. Give sure. us your one major big playoff prediction for this postseason because the next time we'll have an NFL pod won't be until after the Super Bowl. So give us your long-term, we've got a month worth of playoff action for the NFL here. Give us that big takeaway as we head out to the spot. All right. Well, I feel like, I, I feel like if I need to give you like one big prediction, it's gotta be an off the wall one. I can't, you yes. know, give play up. Um, I guess with the way that in such an offensive league, especially such a quarterback heavy, where every award seems to go to a quarterback and these teams keep putting up more and more points all the time. Uh, and if we're talking about the playoffs, I got to look at the big game. My big time prediction I believe, mainly because I want this to happen, that the Super Bowl MVP will be a defensive player. I want this game, whoever it turns out to be, to end in a defensive stop. And I'm talking like Tracy Porter pick six in Super Bowl 44 level or like Von Miller repeatedly crashing that Panthers offensive line and making act early and often en route to his Super Bowl MVP. I want a defensive player to win MVP again because it hasn't happened, I believe, since Von Miller. And it's done. It's definitely time indeed. Well, Austin, a great pod getting through all of the wild card matchups and more importantly, setting the stage for what's going to be an awesome NFL postseason for sure, especially with these extra games and also the uncertainty for this postseason, shall we say. Another great episode. Thank you for joining. Of course. It was great to be here. And to everyone listening, uh, you know, have a great time watching these games. And just remember, when in doubt, bet the over.